I have the privilege of closing our series on the art of seasonality, and the title of my message this afternoon is Surmountable. And Pastor Colin explored how seasons are unavoidable. Simon looked at it, how that they are inevitable. And Gabriel last week showed us some great ways on how we can manage the seasons that we find ourselves in. The dictionary definition for surmountable is to prevail over, to get over or to get across or to get on top of. And so I have a question this afternoon. Do you believe that you can overcome your greatest challenge? The overarching goal for us this afternoon at the end is to build sufficient hope and confidence that we can and we will overcome every single challenge that we find ourselves in. If we look at the scriptures, we see that the Bible is full of stories of men and women who overcame massive challenges and big issues in their lives because God never leaves us alone when our problems arise. Miracles that remind us that when we leave the battle in his hands, he can do the impossible and accomplish that. And we are part of that story this afternoon. So my preaching today is going to be non-expository, which goes a little bit out of the box for me. So I'm going to be on a bit of a learning curve today. And so I've got kind of four spiritual principles that I want to unpack and explore with us. And to that end, I will give various Bible references and also highlight at least one person in the scripture to whom these things apply to. So the first principle I want us to focus on is that we must learn with our challenges to focus on God's power and not the size of our problem. Amen? It's very, very easy for us to start focusing on the problem and not God's power. Because no matter how big your problem is, you will overcome it when you learn to trust God. He will help you to overcome it. God is bigger than your biggest obstacle. So rather than look at the problem that's standing in your way, look at God who stands ready to help you. The obvious example is David versus Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. Why did David win? He won for several reasons. He knew who he was in God. He knew where his strength came from. But also he, unlike the Israelites, was prepared to look at Goliath from a very, very different perspective. And I think for many of us this afternoon, we need to look at our challenges. We need to look at our problems from a new perspective. That is how we're going to overcome. That's how we're going to gain victory. That's how we're going to over, overcome every challenge that we find ourselves in our lives. Because David looked at Goliath and goes, this guy's so big I can't miss. The Israelites were looking at him and going, wow, he's so big, we're not going to win. And all that is is just fresh thinking. That's just different perspective. 1 John 4 verse 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. As believers, we already have the resource for our victory. The vital presence of God in every area of our lives, makes victory possible in every single season if we rely on him and who he is instead of relying on ourselves. And that understanding this afternoon, friends, gives us great confidence and spiritual power. For those of us that are walking in those truths, victory is guaranteed. It's not a possibility. It's assured. It is a positive statement and not a wishful hope, which means that we have no place to fear because God's perfect love casts out all fear. And what happened when David cut off Goliath's head? The Philistines turned and they ran. That will be what happens to your problems, amen? amen. That's what's gonna to happen to your problems. When you gain the victory, that's it. Game over, Jesus wins. 
and we can give him all the glory, we can give him all the honor in those moments. But we need to focus on his power. Then we'll be able to see our problems from the right perspective. We've got to keep in mind this afternoon that God, our creator, knows every single detail of what we're going through, and he cares deeply about it. You know, you often hear, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. And that may be true for the person that you are speaking to, but it is not true when you're speaking to God. He went through it all. And to clarify, Jesus wept. There's no shame in crying when you're going through trials, when you're going through challenges. It's a reflection of what's going on in your heart. There's a deep trust, a deep confidence that God will deliver. We know that Jesus wept at the graveside of his dear friend Lazarus. What about the second principle? God's timing. Uh, this is a tough one. How many of us have got schedules? All of us have got schedules. How many of us have got goals and dreams and things that we want to achieve by a certain time? Save a certain amount of money. Maybe we want to get married. Maybe we want to buy a house. Maybe we want to change our jobs. We've all got these goals and ideas and these dreams, but often our timetable doesn't really line up with his, does it? And we find ourselves going through challenges. We get frustrated. Let me be very, very clear with you this afternoon. Never associate delay with denial. Yeah? Never associate delay with denial. Psalm 84, 11, God does not withhold any good gift from those whose walk is blameless. Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. And the promise is what? He will give you the desires of your heart. The challenge, the onus, the impetus is on us, delighting ourselves in him. And as long as it's in line with his will for your life, you will receive it. But we have to trust in his timing. Because when we do that, we can count on God to deliver on his promise, to bring all our circumstances, the biggest challenge, to pass. Ecclesiastes 3.11, I'm sure we all know it. He has made all things beautiful in his time. Not some, all things. God's plan equals your best interest. Yeah? The greatest prayer that a Christian can pray is, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. Now, I'm going to ask for a show of hands here in a second, and I'm going to put my own hand up first, but how many times have we in our relationship with Jesus gone, Lord, your kingdom come, but my will be done? <laughs> uh, once or twice, maybe, maybe. But we can be like that, because we think we know what's best for our own lives, but God knows best. And when we ask the Holy Spirit to help cast aside the fears by recalling God's love during moments when we need it, we find the courage to move forward. The more you focus on God's love, the less afraid you will be. Absolute fact. And as God reveals his plan to you, we simply learn to follow it day by day. Look at Joseph's story in Genesis 29. That's a man who waited on God. He waited many, many years for the fulfillment of a dream that God had given him. He was falsely accused, he was imprisoned, and before the time came for him to do what God had shown him to do, trusting and being patient allows God to stretch our faith. And we all need our faith stretched today. And it brings about change and growth. Because often, when we rely on God, it is a very important aspect in our journey with him. Because God will sometimes lead us into paths that don't seem to make sense, but his paths are never wrong, and they are always better than anything that we could imagine for our own lives. Remember that God causes things to happen at exactly the right time. He is perfect in all of his ways. He does not make 
mistakes. We must leave it up to him. And this is the frustration, isn't it? Is that we often try and figure things out ourselves. Men, you will understand. Anyone, any men in here ever tried to assemble IKEA stuff? The first thing we chuck out after the packaging is what? The manual. And then all of a sudden there's like eight nails and a couple of things left. And it's like, oh, these are leftovers, right? And then you go to put some stuff in these drawers and it collapses. Why? Because we think we know better. We do. But the reality is that we often don't. But we need to put our trust in a God who does know better. And his timing is absolutely perfect. The more we trust God, the more we keep our gaze focused on him, the more alive we come to his promises over our lives. Number three, your brothers and sisters. Yes, the people sitting next to you. Why don't you take a minute and say hello to them? Ask them how they are doing. Amen? Believe it or not. <laughs> What's that? Is there a marriage proposal over there? No. <laughs> Believe it or not, the person sitting next to you is in your life to a degree, but for a purpose. We're not called to journey this life alone. We are called to support and encourage one another. I've preached a sermon before on how we uphold and care for one another, and there's more than 58 or 59 versions in the scriptures, references, sorry, to the words one another. We need one another. We need to surround ourselves with believers, brothers and sisters, who are on the same goal, the same focus as each other. They too are working at overcoming their challenges. Their encouragement, their support, their vantage point on an issue or a challenge that you find in life could be the exact words that you need to overcome your own challenge. And we read it in Proverbs 27:17: Iron sharpens iron, so as one man sharpens another. We need each other to be accountable to, to build those relationships up. We need to build a culture of people who are committed to matters of eternal importance. And as we keep putting one step in front of another, we consistently make progress. Denzel Washington mentioned a very important line, which is why it was edited into that particular video. Do not associate movement with progress. It's so obvious, but often we associate that with progress. And the reality is it isn't. We need to actually take steps. We need to make decisions, conscious, intentional decisions, in how to overcome our challenges. We need to build structures and strategies and ideas on how we can overcome them. We can't just think by talking about our problems that we're overcoming them. It gives a measure of help, but it doesn't address the issue. So if we look at um, the Israelites, they were wandering in the desert 40 years. I don't know how far they ended up from where they started, but I would, have, I would guess not very far. And the same is true for me sometimes, once, once in a while here on a Sunday. I don't leave this building, but I can show you the health app at the end of the day. It says I walked four point something kilometers because I'm walking around the building all day. But I haven't gone anywhere, but on the surface, it looks like I went somewhere. Same is true for us. We need to plan and strategize on how we can overcome our challenges because it is possible. And as long as we prioritize them from the most significant, the ones that are impacting your life the most, the ones that are stealing the most of your joy, and then drill down to the ones that are stealing the least of your joy, be intentional about proportionate scale on how much time you spend with each problem. 
because that will help you address the biggest problems first and the least problems least, but often the important crowds out the necessary in our lives. We need to remind ourselves that God works on an eternal timetable, not our timetable. And we need to pray for strength to be patient and to persevere. And as we ask God to not be distracted and to encourage us whenever we feel like quitting, guaranteed that you will carry on. And that's the real challenge for us, is that we need to learn to carry on. You know, you probably, you wouldn't believe it, but I used to do long distance running. When I mean long distance running, I'm talking 10, 15 kilometers at a time. And if anyone has done any distances like that, you will know what I'm about to say is true. You will always face what they call the wall. Not the walls of Jericho, I'm talking the, the physical wall, or the mental wall rather, where you just want to quit. You just want to give up. And I've been there many, many times. I don't do it, don't run quite so much now. But there were times where you'd run eight, nine, 10 kilometers out of 10 or 15 kilometers and you'd want to quit because the body just says no more. But if you quit, then those eight, nine, 10 kilometers are not worth anything. But if you find a way of walking, crawling, jogging the last few kilometers and you get to that finish line, then those aforementioned eight, nine kilometers are now worth a lot because that helped you get over the finish line. And that's the reality for some of us, is that we've stopped at the eight kilometer mark in a 10 meter race. We need to get ourselves moving again. We've got to stir ourselves up. That's why we need one another to support, to encourage, to uphold, to sustain, to protect each other. Number four, obedience to his word. Obedience to his word. We position ourselves for blessings through our continued obedience to his instructions. Right through scripture, you find men and to a degree ladies who were obedient to what they were asked to do. Let's take a look at Noah, Genesis 6. He was told to build an ark in the desert. How many of us were going to do that? Not many. But if we look at the detail of it, he was told to build it to a certain height, a certain width, and a certain depth. It was his obedience to God in that moment that protected him from the flood. Abraham could have disobeyed God when he was called to leave his land and his people and his father's household, but he chose to be obedient because he knew that there was no joy outside of God's will for his life. Moses was obedient to God and he loved the people of Israel that God had called him to lead. He led them, he led the Israelites for 40 years out of Egypt and right to the edge of the promised land. God knew that Job would be obedient to him when he lost all his wealth. Why? Because God knew that Job would continue to walk in honor and obedience to him in worship whilst he patiently revealed God to himself. To clarify here, and this is where we all fall down, partial obedience is not obedience. If there are any mothers or fathers in the house, when you tell your children to clean their bedroom and they're like, throw all the clothes into the corner, <laughs> that's not cleaning the bedroom, right? That's partial obedience. God desires total obedience in our lives. We have to cultivate an ongoing expectancy for God to reward our faithful obedience along that journey of overcoming our challenges. Because when we obey God in small ways, God will lead us to a greater level of faith and responsibility. So we continue to grow spiritually and move forward because our obedience is not measured by our ability to obey laws and principles. Our obedience is measured by our response to God's voice. And so my question to you this afternoon is, what is God calling you to do differently? 
What is God calling you to change in your thinking, maybe in your mindsets, maybe in the way that you communicate with people to help overcome the challenges that we find ourselves in? And we know Jesus himself only did what he saw the Father do. So for some of us, that means we've got to do what he calls us to do every single day, apologizing to that friend that you've hurt, forgiving that person who's hurt you, taking conscious decisions to get out of debt, sowing your tithes and offerings into the local church, moving to a job maybe that's a better fit for you. Whatever it is, we've got to be obedient to it because otherwise we are going back to what I said before, Lord, your kingdom come, but my will be done. The will of God will never take you to a place or through a situation where the grace of God is unable to protect you. So don't be worried about fear of the unknown. You can go into the unknown knowing that you're known by the man, by God, who knows the end from the beginning. So if we've got confidence for where we're going to spend eternity, we can have confidence for tomorrow, confidence for next week, next month. And finally, number five, is we have to learn to live with expectant joy. Expectant joy. You know, we're experiencing a fresh new season of joy in this house. Joy, not happiness. We're not happy Christians. We're joyful Christians. Return to us the joy of our salvation, right? God wants us to cultivate and create an atmosphere of joy in every single season. Whatever the challenge, whatever the situation, God is good. He is on our side. He is standing with us. He is supporting us. He is encouraging us. And he wants us to overcome. We have to learn the valuable lessons that God wants to teach us as our walls and our challenges start to break down, confident that at the end of the journey, we're going to experience his joy. The hopeful sign that God gives along the way is that he is with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us, no matter what the circumstances are. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And the challenge often for us is that we allow the external to affect the internal. We deal with perceptions and personal experiences instead of standing on the solid rock that is Christ Jesus. All treasures are at his right hand. He's able to provide your rent next week, 100%. The stripes on his back, you're healed of any sickness, yeah? He can provide you that new job. Why? Because he desires to give good gifts to his children. So what are you believing God for? Because the measure of your faith is going to define and dictate how quickly he steps in, how much he moves in, to what degree he moves in. And then also, do we demonstrate that thankful heart? Because that's another thing that we think we struggle with, is that sense of entitlement as Christians. But God wants us to, to come to him. Because he knows our needs before we even need them. And we need to present them to him. And God will always put us in positions where our only choice is to become more like him. Because in those moments, God gets all the glory. So if you are going through a trial today, if you are going through a difficulty, it is not because, because God does not care. Please hear me out. It's because he is growing your faith. God wants you to truly lean and depend on him. He is bigger than anything that can tear you apart. He is great in all the earth. He's bigger than any disaster that you've ever seen, problems you face. He's bigger than the entire universe. Your problems, he can deal with, and he wants to. Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 27, what is impossible with man is possible with him. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Romans 8, if God is with us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And in Isaiah 61, verse 3, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God has promised you, friends, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And it works like this, that when we begin to praise him with a heavy heart, where challenges are abounding in our lives, we experience a new sense of peace and joy. Through the worship, we are reminded that God is bigger than the situations that we face. It's not only capable of managing our concerns or our wants or our needs, but he wants us to overcome them. Because in overcoming them, we become more like him. We give him all the victory. We give him all the praise. We give him all the thanks. We share the testimony. Because we overcome, friends, by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. And for us as Christians, your testimony is not an historical event about what God may have done in your life 22 years ago. It's what God is doing today. It's what he's going to do tomorrow. It's what he's going to do next week. Because your testimony is current. It's active. It's living. It's moving. The people here on the front row that are getting baptized, they are carrying a very current, real testimony of what God has done in their lives and what God is going to do in their lives.